Back on the campaign trail with the country in crisis. This week, our D.C. Bureau goes one-on-one with President Donald Trump. Plus, after both parties hold virtual state conventions, we talk with Democratic candidate for Attorney General Jonathan Weinzapfel as current AG Curtis Hill returns to work after a 30-day suspension. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana, this is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning and happy Father's Day. A lot to discuss this Sunday, including the president's campaign rally in Tulsa, the race for attorney general and the topic of police reform still being debated at the local, state and federal level. Mayor Hogsett announcing a series of new initiatives this week. But he and the city of Indianapolis are also dealing with a spike in violent crime. The city saw its 100th homicide of 2020 this past week, a milestone that's usually reached much later in the year. It's also led to some resignations. Members of a community resource council stepping down, saying the mayor needs to do more. Our Kelly Rinke caught up with the mayor on Friday. The truth is 2020 has been an enormously challenging year for all of Indianapolis, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's the civil unrest that we're experiencing right now, whether it's a, a level of gun violence that is unacceptable and intolerable. Um, I'm hoping the second half of the year will show some marked improvement uh, and that those numbers will come down. But when you see that all members of one council collectively resigned and they're pointing at you, doesn't that give you pause? Well, of course it gives me pause, uh, but then again, I'm the leader of the city and I need to be held accountable. And so do you think you would change something because of their resignations and, and the concerns that they have? No, I think, I think, I think what we're going to do is double down and do more than we've ever done before to address the issues that, they, uh, that they've identified as, a, as an area of concern. Let, let me be clear. They're not the only people in Indianapolis who are concerned about the level of gun violence. All right, you can see more of that interview on our website. Meantime this week, the president signing an executive order on police reform. While the debate continues in Congress over the topic of qualified immunity for police and other related issues, the president's still facing controversy for his handling of the crisis and of the ongoing pandemic. This amidst a very busy week in Washington. There were two Supreme Court rulings the president criticized, the court ruling in favor of protections for LGBTQ employees and ruling that the DACA program can move forward despite the administration's efforts to stop it. And the president lashing out at former National Security Advisor John Bolton, whose new book is coming out with a number of serious accusations about the president's handling of foreign affairs. All of this happening as the president hits the campaign trail in Tulsa this weekend. Amidst it all, our Washington correspondent Anna Wernicke spoke with the president one-on-one about the campaign, the coronavirus, and the calls for police reform. One day after signing an executive order addressing police brutality, President Trump says he's ready to do more. We have great police, great law enforcement, but you have people that make mistakes and you have some bad ones too. The president told me in a one-on-one interview that he's on board with the Senate Republican police reform bill unveiled Wednesday morning. Will you support it? Well, I will, and I've looked at it. But he says the fate of the bill is up to the Democrats, who have threatened to block the bill in the Senate for not doing enough to prevent police brutality. Let's see what happens with the Democrats. They want to have, you know, they want to defund. I mean, they literally want to defund our police, and frankly, they would abolish our police 
if we weren't here. President Trump is going full speed ahead, holding his first rally this weekend in Tulsa, despite reports of cases increasing in some states, including Oklahoma. We have over a million requests for tickets. There's never been anything like that. Nobody's ever heard of such a thing. President Trump says he's not nervous about a second wave of the virus. Because we know how to put it out. And he says Americans could be receiving a second stimulus check. We're working on something that's going to be very dramatic, very good. In the midst of a pandemic and nationwide protests over racial injustice. Will it be more difficult to unite the country um, in the middle of a re-election campaign? I don't think so. There's a great uh, feeling. I think it's just a great pride in the country. At the White House, I'm Anna Warnicky. Now, it's still very early, but recent polls have shown Joe Biden with a significant lead over President Trump, nearly a nine-point lead when you average all the recent national polls and a big lead for Biden in some key swing states, too. Biden this week was critical of the president's approach to fighting the coronavirus. Donald Trump's failure to fight the coronavirus with the same energy and focus that he used to use to troll his enemies on Twitter has cost us lives and is putting hope for an economic recovery at risk. Now, while other states have seen spikes in cases in recent weeks, Indiana has still done fairly well with the reopening process and the number of new cases. Governor Holcomb announcing this week that while some state agencies would see budget cuts, schools would still see the funding they were expecting in the coming year. Also at the State House this week, Attorney General Curtis Hill back on the job after a 30-day suspension of his law license, still waiting to see if he'll get his party's nomination for re-election. In just a minute, we'll hear from the Democrat who was chosen to run for AG. But first, here's Russ McQuaid, who spoke with Hill this week about the topic of police reform. On his first day back in office after a 30-day suspension by the Indiana Supreme Court, Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill agreed some police reforms are necessary, but cutting law enforcement budgets is not the way to do it. We've seen situations where police have been outmanned and outgunned, and again, we put them out there uh, to protect us. We need to make sure that we protect them and provide them with the resources to do that job. So we defund the police. What happens to those investigations of that behavior? What happens to having someone to call out on a 911 call to stop a threat when it's occurring? For years, we've been needing to address adding resources to the police. So I I think calls for reform need to be measured. Hill and the three other Republican candidates for attorney general all gave speeches this week at the GOP's virtual state convention. Delegates have submitted their votes early next month. We'll know whether or not Hill has been nominated for re-election. Meantime, this week, Democrats unveiled their choice. It's former Evansville Mayor Jonathan Weinzapfel, who I spoke with this week. You've had a lot to say about attorney general Curtis Hill. He's back at work this week. Obviously, Republicans will be voting now on whether or not he'll be the nominee. You've been very vocal about the legal troubles the attorney general has faced. But what if he's not the nominee? How different does that make this race? How does that change the dynamics in terms of your campaign if Republicans choose someone else? Well, frankly, when I got into this race in early December, I announced my candidacy. I I thought this was going to be about uh, Curtis Hill's ethical transgressions, and all of his efforts to dismantle health care and, and really to find the Affordable Care Act unconstitutional, which would have a dramatic impact on Hoosiers with pre-existing conditions and those who have uh, received health care benefits under the Healthy Indiana Plan. But obviously, over the last three months, things have changed dramatically with 
the uh, global cor coronavirus pandemic, and then just recently with the death of George Floyd, uh, the issues in this race, I think, have changed completely. Um, I don't think the, the people of Indiana, I don't think Hoosiers are really focused on uh, the partisan makeup or the partisan identity of the candidates. I think they're looking for leadership, whether that comes from Democrats or Republicans, leadership that's going to address the economic problems we're facing, the public health challenges that we have, uh, concerns about how they're going to be able to send kids to to school this fall and are they going to learn anything are they going to be safe what about what about mom or dad who's in a nursing home um how safe are they the they i mean these are the issues that are at the forefront of people's minds and i'm not sure they're looking for a democratic or republican answer i think they're looking for leadership to get these addressed and and help us get to a new and better normal here in the state of Indiana. You mentioned police reform. Obviously, that's been a very big topic in the news lately. How would you approach that as Indiana's top law enforcement officer? And does this term defund the police that's been in the news here in recent weeks, is that a term that could be troublesome for Democrats this year? Well, so first and foremost, the... Um, the attorney general is the chief legal officer for the state of Indiana. He, he or she is not the uh, lead prosecutor. Prosecution happens at a local level on a county by county basis. Uh, the attorney general serves as uh, basically the attorney general's office will defend uh, local prosecutors uh, should criminal convictions be appealed. Uh, but through that process, obviously, as attorney general, I would have an opportunity to build relationships with prosecutors, law enforcement, and uh, in co the courts throughout the state of Indiana. And that's important in, in leading and in helping bring um, a, a focus to criminal justice reform. In, in my mind, it really does take three or four different elements. Uh, the first is I support what Ryan Mears is doing in Marion County. I don't think it makes any sense to uh, prosecute people for possession of low uh, level, low amounts of marijuana. Um, it seems to me that there ought to be a, a, a drug court in every county. I think roughly only about maybe two-thirds or 60% of the counties actually have a drug court. And really, that is uh, the basis of a lot of the crime that takes place. And we have to be able to treat people who come into the, into the criminal justice system appropriately. There, there is no quick fix to any of this, but some real holistic approaches and maybe some changes in how we approach criminal justice in Indiana can make a real difference. But where do you stand specifically on some of these calls to, uh, however you want to describe it, either restructure or defund police departments? Well, hey, as a former mayor, um, I, I led a, a police department in the city of Evansville. It is incredibly important that we have effective uh, law enforcement. And, and I thought the Evansville Police Department was, uh, was fantastic at the work they did. Um, so th this idea of defunding the police uh, really doesn't resonate with me. Um, you know, there, there's always an opportunity, I think, to kind of reorganize and restructure um, which agencies provides what services the best. But I am not an advocate for defunding uh, the police department. What's it going to take to win this race? Well, um, well, we're waiting to see who, who our opponent's going to be, but but frankly, I think what's going to win this is focusing on the issues. Like I mentioned at the start of this interview, that people are focused on the ramifications of the coronavirus global pandemic and how are we going to lead the state 
to a new normal? How are we going to make sure we, our economy recovers, uh, that people have guarantees of health care? Um, how are we going to make sure we take care of loved ones in a nursing home? And how are we going to make sure our kids can get a good education? Uh, those issues are forefront in the people's minds. And, you know, I'm going to be out there talking about those issues, not not the other political partisan stuff that, uh, frankly, people don't have time for it. All right. Jonathan Weinzapple, thanks for making time for us today. We appreciate it. We'll see you out on the campaign trail. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, the vice president's comments on the coronavirus as the Trump team goes back on the campaign trail this weekend. We'll talk with our panel. Then later, local school districts taking a stand against racism. We slowed the spread. We flattened the curve. We saved lives. And that's why we're opening up America again. Vice President Pence this week on the coronavirus. He also faced some backlash for calling the threat of a second wave overblown in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. Senator Elizabeth Warren reacting, calling his remarks pathetic and reckless, in her words. Time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us this week, Rima Shahid, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Rima, who's the executive director of Women for Change, Indiana. Rima, here the vice president there defending the nation's response to the coronavirus the president holding an in-person campaign rally this weekend, hoping to turn the page with polls, some polls now showing him down by double digits. What's your takeaway from all this? Um, I think that there are opinions, there are aspirations, and then there are facts. And the fact is that coronavirus has not gone anywhere. I think that the fact is that 22 states, I believe, have seen an increase in cases that's different states and even on a local level, they're looking at taking extra precautions once again because of the increase in cases. So I think that it is um, unfortunate to um, weigh in your opinions when we're really looking for facts as a nation, because this is about our safety and it's about keeping Americans safe. Let's turn to 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. Tony, uh, the president's campaign team worried at all about those polls, a Fox News poll showing him down 12 now to Joe Biden. No, I don't think so. I mean, if you if you look at what's happening, just contrasting what President Trump is doing, getting out there, talking to the people, having meetings, people, having people at the White House, social distancing, having the rallies, uh, you know, more than 100,000 people uh, are going to show up for the rally. Uh, that's what, you know, energizes uh, his voters and, and energizes America. I think compare that to, to Joe Biden hiding in his basement, um, not very not speaking very well on the issues coming out late with plans. So that's what folks see regarding coronavirus. You know, it, uh, we, we knew that it was still out there uh, and we knew that uh, with uh, the different states opening uh, that, that it was going to increase because there's more testing. But it's also weakening depending on, you know, what the CDC uh, says and when. Uh, and we also hear now that, that it doesn't affect uh, youth uh, as much and, and then folks that uh, might have it, but uh, are not spreading it like we thought. So we've learned a lot and it's time to reopen. The economy is, is uh, showing uh, signs of doing uh, of resurgence and uh, Americans want to get back out and socialize yeah. and go to work. Robin Winston is the former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats. Robin, uh, your thoughts on, on what we've seen this past week? Well, we've seen a lot. Um, I would say that um, if you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor. You don't go to the vice president for medical advice. And I haven't seen Dr. Fauci in a long time, but he's a preeminent uh, physician, very well respected, 
served through six presidents and has basically been sidelined by this administration because he's going to tell us things that are good for us. Um, all of us should be wearing masks. The president refuses to. The other thing that I noticed this week about the president is that John Bolton's out there and John Bolton's got a book to go and they don't want John Bolton's book to come out. So I think that causes problems for them. Let's bring in former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Uh, Mike, on that topic of Bolton's book and everything this election year, um, what's coming next? I mean, we've seen it all. Well, I think first let's talk about Bolton. I think it's fascinating that the president said a couple days ago, nothing in the Bolton book is true. But then he has the Justice Department sue to stop its publication because he says it contains uh, secret secrets. And he forgot, apparently, that the White House reviewed and approved the book some months ago. So um, there's more to come out of that, but I can't read the book. My book is on some uh, Amazon truck, hopefully on the way to my house, house right now. But the only thing we should be talking about right now locally is the fact that we have had our 100th murder in five and a half months. 81% of those murder victims have been black. The business community, the political leadership, the civic leaders in this town have not lifted a finger to do anything about that. The police are out there on their own. There's some community activists like Reverend Harrison and others that are doing their best. But this would be a public health crisis in any normal city, and the leadership is hiding under the bed. Robin, I want to get your response to that locally here. Obviously, as the conversation about police reform continues, we also see uh, a spike in crime this week that has, uh, that has troubled city leaders, as Mike mentioned. It should trouble everybody. I mean, and the mayor has taken responsibility. I don't know how Mike can say he's ducking. He said, look, it's my responsibility. But you're right. It's got to be a comprehensive effort. It can't just be just isolated to one area of the town. I mean, we have got to have a comprehensive effort to address this. I would say, though, that we've got to make sure that some of the systemic issues are addressed. It's not simply about how many police you can put on a corner. It's, are people getting excellent education opportunities? Are they getting good housing? That's what we've got to address. But the mayor did take responsibility. He didn't run away from that. Uh, let's also talk about this race for attorney general. We heard the interview earlier with Curtis Hill and with Jonathan Weinzapfel. Uh, Tony, uh, your thoughts on this race as we wait to see if Hill will be nominated for re-election? Well, um, I, Republicans held their virtual convention a few nights ago, and uh, I think uh, Attorney General Hill gave a great speech. Uh, I think it was better than the others. And um, not just saying that because uh, that's who I'm voting for. Uh, I, I think he's got a clear vision. He's got a clear record. He's done some great things as attorney general. Um, he's written four op-ed pieces that, that went uh, across the national media uh, here in the last few weeks on the George Floyd killing and the protests and the defund the police issue. He's for law enforcement, and that's going to be a big issue, uh, uh, doing things right, weeding out the bad actors, but still supporting law enforcement. We've had too many cops killed here in the last, well, it's an ongoing problem, uh, more than uh, 90 in the last year. It's more than 30 this year. So much violence that, uh, that came along with the peaceful protests. And we just like Mike said, we've got a, a sad situation here in Indianapolis. So we need leadership at, at the governor's level, the attorney general's level. Curtis Hill will give that at the city level. Uh, it, it's past time for words. When you go downtown and you see all these businesses boarded up and you see what the looting uh, and the rioting and the violence and the death that, that came to our city, 
that needs to be uh, somebody should have anticipated that knew that was going to happen and so just saying we're you know hold me accountable which the mayor said is not enough this was a campaign issue okay uh, been in front of this before this happened okay rima your thoughts your thoughts on all this i think we're talking about two very different yeah. things right now i think sure. that we're trying to you know put in together the homicides in the city with the protests that are happening. And I don't think you can put those all together. I think what we're seeing here in Indianapolis as in regards with the protests is what we're seeing national, nationwide. I think that we've reached as a nation a boiling point um, with the fact that these videos that have come out and the murder of George Floyd and the murder of others, this has been going on for centuries in this country um, with this criminal injustice system that's stacked against brown and black people, especially black people. And I think that we need to look at that and address that. And on the other end, you're right. I think that we need to, I would, I'm very happy that the, the mayor is saying he's going to double down and look at the homicide. And I'm interested to see what does double down mean and entail, because this is an issue. We have to look at the systematic issue and we have to really make sure that we keep Indiana safe and Indianapolis safe. Okay, we've got but to not get those confused. Sure, yeah. Uh, Rima, Mike, Tony, Robin, thank you all so much for being here today. We do appreciate it. And we'll have much more on our website coming up this Sunday in Focus. Local school districts taking a stand against racism. We'll be right back after this. 11 Marion County school superintendents coming together to try and abolish racism, value social justice, and respect human dignity. They just kicked off an initiative called the No Racism Zone that will give parents resources to have important conversations with their kids about social injustice in the world. It is my hope that his generation ends these conversations, that when he's talking to his children, he can talk about, do you remember when there had to be movements and action taken to end racism? I wanna tell you about that time versus still interfacing with the social justice issues that we have today. Friday night, several Marion County schools turned their stadium lights on for eight minutes and 46 seconds in tribute to George Floyd. The same amount of time, a police officer was seen kneeling on Floyd's neck before he died. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for joining us this week. Much more on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you next week.